Hey guys, welcome back. BDC Care here. We're back with Season 9, Episode 57 of our weekly Q&A video slash podcast. Uh, if you are on YouTube right now, you can check out this on most, a lot of, many major podcasting platforms. I don't know, I can never say all because I have no clue right. how many there are. But there's an RSS feed link, so I think any good podcast platform will let you directly add via rss link right uh so you can you can get us on all the platforms you just might have to do a little bit of legwork for it right uh is what i'll maybe say uh by checking out the links in the description and mm -hmm. if you are on the podcast right now you probably already know about our youtube channel right. uh and you don't need to watch it if you don't want to well speaking of watching though yeah so this team in a recent line of weekly multiplayer teams on every q a yeah. This is the Arkanite Catwoman team because this is Arkanite Catwoman's week in the challenge. Mm -hmm. And I want to point out something because we've done a bunch of, I, maybe I'll add the playlist in the description, but we've done a bunch of Arkanite Catwoman teams. This is my absolute favorite mm -hmm. damage over time dealer. And I want to point out one thing that we haven't shown before about how she can, she's so good at handling. The problematic is not exactly the right word, but <clears throat> difficult opponents. Mm hmm. And one is you're going to see Blackest Night team and the strategy because Catwoman leans so hard on doing damage over time. We, in this case, we rely on Arkham Knight and Arkham Knight Batgirl to do all the, most of the damage. And we save Arkham Knight Catwoman for when we think one, she'll do enough damage to knock out the person, but two, so that her first tag in is the one who saved because it doesn't trigger the damage over time with Master's Death card. Yeah. But the second thing that I'm going to really point out and highlight is how good she is at handling New 52 Shazam. So I think because of his ability to tag out it, when his health gets below 25%, and that unless you, if you get him down to 25%, yeah. you can't knock him out on that go. If you go from 26% to zero, you can knock him out. Mm -hmm. But if you go from 26 to 24, mm. he will not be knockoutable. He'll be basically. Uh, not invulnerable, but just, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What is it? What, there's a word for, is there a word for that? Is there a phrase? Something? I don't know. In... But he's not invulnerable because he'll yeah. still take damage down to, to one. So the, the cool thing is... There's it, like a thing in Pokemon, right? If you're like sturdy or whatever, like the first right. hit that would knock you out knocks you down to one HP. Right. But he's more than that. Like he gets knocked down to, that was uh, Shedinja or something. No, that's only crits even deal damage to you. There's no, like an there... ability that like keeps you alive because Shedinja only ever has one HP. Right, but he can't get knocked out unless he's <laughs> the type. Yeah, unless it's super effective. Yeah, right, right, super effective. That's right. different. Yeah, yeah. But at this, I'm saying it's it's like that where he might be down to new 52 Shazam might be down to one, but yeah. until he tags back in, you can't knock him out. And when he yeah. tags back in, he's invulnerable. Yeah. So the key is either that there's nobody else to tag in. He's the last one, which you can't control. You can't make him be the last person to tag in, and especially yeah. if he's the first person, he's trouble. But how she handles him is. Because your special two, Arkham Catwoman special two, does so much damage, when you, he's the first person, you don't do your special two. Special one, special one. And in this case, his huge health pool works against yeah. him because he doesn't get down to 25%, even if he doesn't block. Yeah. And then when you've tagged in Arkham Knight Catwoman once, done two special twos, that's usually enough time to tag in Arkham Knight. And mm. that tag in, he decides he wants out. And he finishes bleeding out off screen ah. because of Arkham Knight Catwoman's passive. Okay. And so he's bleeding out off screen down to one stinking health. Yeah. 
So then you just have to sneeze on him. Yeah. And you knock him out. You don't trigger his passive, even if he has an opponent. That's pretty uh, fun. A teammate. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So I, I think this is... I'm just, again, playing more and more with it. I'm just loving... This is my absolute favorite damage over time character. Mm-hmm. She's so good. Yeah. Okay. Now, you wanted to say something about what you've been doing this week that's not injustice. Yeah, I, I, so I, I went out and I saw this AR uh, art exhibition. Augmented recently. reality. Yeah. AR. And so it's through my phone. Uh, and it was a bunch of like little AR installations. And the whole point is, it was, I did this in Toronto... But there's a bunch of different places around the world that are hosting it. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that you download an app and then it's got like a little sort of map on it and mm-hmm. it uses your GPS. And when you show up in the right place for the AR exhibit, uh, mm-hmm. you can uh, scan and do a quick sort of rough 3D scan of the ground. Okay. Uh, and then click a button and display the AR exhibit in front of you. And then you can like check it out, you know, kind of like walk around. So you got to look at it through your... Through your phone. Phone. Through your phone. And so what was interesting is that I uh, am not a big fan. And I think I've been sort of vocal about being very kind of like anti-NFT, anti that kind of like Web3 crypto stuff. Right. Uh, And then that sort of extended to kind of the metaverse and the conceptualization of the metaverse. Okay. Right. And so what I find really interesting is, uh, you know, there was a really cool video recently uh, by Folding Ideas uh, called... Folding Ideas. Just another YouTuber. Oh, okay. Called The Centerland, uh, or or, sorry, The Metaverse is the Dead Mall, uh, looking at some of the criticisms of the metaverse and what it is. And so what's interesting is that this is like an AR art exhibit, right? Mm -hmm. It's not the first time it's been done, but this is essentially one version of the metaverse, the idea that there's a real world uh, and the real world is somehow intrinsically linked with a virtual space, right? right? And intertwined with it. And then you interact with sort of the virtual space using the technology, which in, is in this case, the phone as sort of a portal into right. this, you know, alternate reality space. And, you know, we've seen a bunch of versions of this. We've seen a bunch of stuff like this. There was like an NFT project that was supposed to be a furniture <laughs> store that was on a beach in AR and then you could buy furniture from it and it would both show up at your door as a physical product, but then you'd also get like an NFT. Mm-hmm. And so one of the really, one of the points that Folding Ideas makes in that video is that all of the sort of metaverse NFT stuff is like not a very good product, right? There's a really big promise of it. And then the actual experience of it is not very good. Right. And so I went out and I went on this, you know, walking tour and it's about an hour and a half long. And I gave up on it partway through because the problem was it wasn't very good. Right. There were some artists that I re- uh, recognized. Uh, Ai Weiwei. I have seen some of his like works before. Know. Anyways, he's a, a Chinese uh, artist. He does some really interesting stuff. And so like, you know, for his, it was a gilded birdcage. And it was a digital reconstruction of a real birdcage that he had built, apparently, as an installation, mm-hmm. if I understood the description right. And the idea of the original was that you're supposed to be able to walk into it, you know, go through the turnstile, and it was supposed to be an exploration of uh, cages as uh, protection, as, uh, you know, like incarceration and holding people against their will, and the dynamics. The prison, yeah. So it's it's cages. You're you're not, I'm not trapped in here with you 
you're trapped in here with me. But it's the the multiplicity of ways that we can view cages and walls and barriers, right? Mm-hmm. And it was constructed in a garden. You're supposed to be able to walk through the turnstiles, look at the different like sections of it and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then if you're inside, you can look out onto the gardens um, from the perspective of like a caged like animal or something else, mm-hmm. right? Of of somebody in a cage. And so I'm like, that's a kind of interesting idea, right? Yeah. Uh, but you actually go to the exhibit, and it's this kind of poorly tracked sliding around relatively low resolution 3d render of mm. like this golden cage and then when you, as soon as you try to like walk into it uh or like interact with it in any way uh the limited sort of floor tracking gives out and it's sliding in weird places right you know so i, I was going on this walk with a friend and my friend also got like a little motion sick looking at it right. it was like not that cool we we're like looking down at our phones and like these like right. green spaces and i was just like this is kind of crap so what you're saying is it was worse than pokemon it was worse than pokemon go yeah yeah and so the thing that i was thinking about is because you can think about it as you know just people trying to do an interesting mixed media thing right for an art exhibit and i right. think you know in one sense it was and but i thought about how you know almost any piece of art like the graffiti and the murals that i was seeing on my way back uh was mostly cooler than the stuff i was seeing it was more effective it was more effective it was yeah. more interesting and engaging you know one of them was the the best one and i don't remember the artist which is unfortunate was um a 3d model of that artist that was um had <laughs> a dance that had been generated uh based on like the random movements of the model was generated based off of uh it was like a brainwave scan okay of them so it it was this weird kind of jerky conceptual thing and they were sort of like a producer like a music producer slash artist and so they had like a a techno beat and then they had this guy jittering and doing weird stuff and i'm like that's kind of cool that's a little interesting and that's also something that you know you need have digitally right you can't have like a physical right. thing doing that right and the problem was that i would have rather been at home and watching a video oh, of it you that's, know yeah that's a shame uh and there was nothing really that it offered in the actual like <laughs> walk itself uh i think it when it if it was supposed to be in a botanical garden or whatever it would have been a lot cooler but the actual walk itself because it was in toronto mm-hmm. uh, it went from uh the mocha the museum of contemporary art and it went to um high park in mm-hmm. Toronto. Mm-hmm. And the problem is in the middle of that, there's like a 20 or 30 minute walk uh, with no installations along the entire length of it, oh, okay. uh, just in like a neighborhood. And that's the point where we gave up because we saw like four or five. Right. And I was like, none of these have really grabbed me. Uh, I feel like I'm just staring yeah. at my phone on a walk, which feels yeah. like the kind of worst way to go for a walk. You, you know what that reminds me of? That time we went to Nuit Blanche? Yeah. Downtown. Yeah. And there, most of it was pretty tight yeah like close together yeah and some of it you had to walk a distance mm-hmm. away and that was the least sort of i don't want to say least effective but maybe the most important the one that sort of pulled you away from it made you think am i done now it was the it was the hardest to justify to yourself yeah but yeah. then you mentioned the dancing the yeah. best was oh. not one of the installations yeah but it felt well it felt like it wasn't one of the installations because it felt less polished it was entirely unclear whether these people were actually associated with the thing or whether they just knew of the because for any signs yeah the context of nuit blanche is that it is like a toronto wide art thing where people basically set up and do like well a kind of like a one night only art display and i don't know know when the last year they did it was either yeah it's been a while um 
And I think it started with like the university arts crowd in Toronto because there's a couple of universities in Toronto. And so it's just, it's kind of supposed to be a little weird and a little offbeat um, and just supposed to be cool and interesting. And so the coolest thing that we saw, there was a lot of official stuff and it's gotten pretty big. There was like a Stranger Things thing one year that was official right. from Netflix that was really sort of high budget, high effort, where they made a little stretch of the upside down. And the coolest thing that we've ever seen at a Nuit Blanche uh, was these two dudes in, a luch in luchador masks uh and a third guy in the back yes. of a box truck yes. uh with dj equipment uh where they were djing this like sort of weird ethereal beat and the two dudes were like dance fighting yeah they were doing like a weird interpretive cool. dance okay. fight and then there was a third guy standing to the side who just kind of yelling he was just going yeah, yeah oh oh and he was also to luchador bass yeah. he was like flexing and stuff and then afterwards they just closed up the box yeah. truck hung around for a couple minutes and then kind of wandered off and it was just in like an alley somewhere uh that we happened to walk past and i my gut instinct was it felt rough around the edges of the point where i could not imagine that that was like official i think but, they just decided to do a thing so i i do want to say though i'm normally not a big fan of yeah. interpretive dance yeah that was it was entertaining and it was compelling in a way that i've never experienced with dance it felt really special because yeah. it felt so intrinsically ephemeral and weird and surreal. It right? was raw, man. Yeah. Like the whole, like there was a real, like the energy. They weren't doing it for money. Right. There's no way to commercialize this product. Right. Because they didn't tell anybody about it and they just showed up or not, not tell anybody. Yeah. So it was really cool. And that's the other thing that I thought is that I, you know, almost every single thing I saw anytime I've been to Nuit Blanche, because I've been a couple times, yeah, as, yeah. was a lot cooler than that art exhibit. And these were from artists who I've seen cool stuff from before. Right, so I right. thought better of them. Um, and I like I know that they're capable of doing really cool stuff. And sometimes, you know, it was just a photo scan of their artwork with like a really yeah. like light amount of extra work done to sort of make it work. And none of it interested me or engaged me at all. Like me and my friend were both feeling like, like it was a little, it was, it sucked. Yep. And it made my friend feel a little sick. And I didn't feel sick afterwards, but I just felt... Well, there's no joy to it. Very underwhelmed. It. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the, the thing that I really thought about it was... Because you can view it as sort of an art installation thing. Uh, but what I was thinking about was how it feeds into uh, narratives and branding and the way that it creates value without actually being something of value. And mm -hmm. to explain that, you know, if you go on an artist's website right and you look at the projects they've done the collections they've done the work that right. they've done right. if somebody says i was part of you know a multi-continent ar art exhibit that was displayed in the botanical gardens including like you know the <laughs> london botanical garden whatever right alongside artists like ai Weiwei, whatever blah blah yep. blah yep. right uh all of a sudden you go oh that's cool. That's a big project. That's a cool thing to be involved with. That's right. like awesome. It, it it adds legitimacy, both to the idea of AR artwork, but right. also it is something for the artist to put on their resume. Right. Right. And the, you know, museum gets to say that they hosted this exhibit. There is some signs in the area saying that there's an exhibit here. So people go, oh, maybe I'll check that out, whatever. And then it's a big file. So like nobody probably downloaded on data, right? Nobody showed up, didn't realize it was happening and downloaded it. Right. Um, you would have to like find Wi-Fi, And so it's like a lot of extra work. There's like a sort of right. a pretty high barrier to entry for somebody who's not interested in doing it. And then, uh, you know, the exhibit's going to be gone at some point. It's going to yes. be done. Yes. And the only thing that'll be on record is two things. 
the sort of people who have put it somewhere, right? Maybe if it's on the museum's website, right. uh, the people who are putting it on their resume. And then maybe, you know, people who took a picture or a short video of it right. and posted it, which is the coolest thing they saw probably. And also you are seeing it from the perspective of the actual camera lens. So you, you are seeing it, you know, <laughs> idealized, real and vital as real as any video of anything you've ever seen. Better, better Whereas for us, we were standing in a field looking at my screen yeah. and then kind of moving it around and then going, huh? And it, like, there was no effect. And so the, the interesting thing is I think yeah. that that, thing as a product uh mm. creates value for the artist it creates value for the idea of ar it is sort of one version of and one conceptualization of the metaverse so it's a way of sort of generating like buzz and hype and perceived value and then for people like me the people who actually experience it it was not <laughs> entertaining at all <laughs> it felt like nothing and yeah. so that's what i was thinking about when i was there i was thinking about the ways that a lot of the current sort of tech stuff uh, right. that people are getting really excited about is essentially a, a hype train built on creating value. And right. I'm not going to ascribe that sort of intention to any of the people associated with this specific thing, right. because I think if there's any value in it, it is in artistic or entertainment experiences. Right. Uh, the I, I can see ways that like AR augmented art could be cool right. uh, and ways like AR augmented like entertainment products could be really cool. Right. So I'm not saying that you know any of these people have such like a mercenary perspective of it. But I'm I was looking at it and thinking about in this form right now, all right. this is good at is generating value for the people who don't actually have like who aren't actually experiencing it. Right. Because it is gener it has done nothing for me, the person who's actually you know showing up and doing the thing. Right. So I just thought that was a little interesting. Right. So that's that's my thoughts on uh, on that. <laughs> And it might be that we're just a few years... Because if it is... I mean, I remember some of the same criticisms yeah. of um, Oculus. Yeah. That it was... I mean, it wasn't as bad mm -hmm. in the same way, but that the experience was very unpleasant for people until they got that li last little bit yeah. of the synchronization between the movement yeah. and the visual inputs. I, I think for me, what it is... Is that I agree that there is a potential for AR to be really cool and interesting. Yeah. Uh, the phone is not the place for it, right? Mm. Nobody, I mean, we use our phones a huge amount. Our phones are really important to us, but they are not sort of a portal to anything, right? You right. can get lost in content on your phone, but if you think about the ways that you consume media on your phone, right. you are looking at flat text, you know, yeah. displayed sort of normally. <laughs> Uh, and you are looking at maybe like videos, right? Curated mm -hmm. videos of other people. Mm -hmm. I There is almost no time ever that I want to have my phone and the actual like gyroscopic position of it have like be a meaningful like layer between like me and the world. Right. It's like right. not a pleasant experience. Even if you think about like recording things versus just experiencing them, right? Mm -hmm. When you like take a picture or a video of something, mm -hmm. right? Even if you really get used to it and you whip out your camera to whenever anything interesting is happening around yeah, you yeah. you know the the better experience is always to just look at it and experience it right there's there's value created for you when you're actually taking a video of something but that's never the thing that you want to do right, most right? right that's never the intrinsic drive if you could just have a video of it passively right right you would yeah. never look at your phone right you would never choose to look at your right. phone um and i think 
that, you know, it's the same with AR stuff. It's the same with like any sort of conceptualization of the metaverse that involves real physical traversal through space. And, you know, it just needs to be integrated better. I mean, if you, if Google Glass had done a better yeah. job of, I guess, marketing, well, just being, being adopted. Yeah. I think that would be the, uh, like a good use case of it. Yeah. Because then you wouldn't have to be working so hard with your hand, yeah. holding a phone, looking at the small screen, as opposed to looking at the full view that you can get through glasses. Yeah. And, you know, I think Pokemon Go was a relatively successful, like, sort of version of that conceptualization of the metaverse that involved physical spaces. And an important point for Pokemon Go is you spent as little time as possible actually, like, looking at your phone as a lens into the real world. That wasn't right. how it worked. That wasn't the point of it. Right? Right. right. And so, so anyways, the, the, those are sort of my uncollected... I've thought about these. I've talked about them a little bit, but relatively loosely organized right. thoughts about right. all of this stuff. Right. So I just think it's interesting. My yeah, my uh, overall verdict on AR stuff is a big thumbs down. And this is as somebody who is really interested sort of in the underlying tech and the capacity of new tech and who, you know, would have thought AR was really cool at different times. Right. Uh, I still want it to be cool. I still want it to right. be good. Right. And I think there's a lot of stuff that I can think about that I would be really excited for. But uh, especially with the sort of ways that people are talking about and supporting AR right now, it feels like it has become very sort of commercialized. A lot of these ideas have been tied to <laughs> like speculative or market stuff. And exploited, yeah. Yeah, I, I and, feel like there's the connotation with exploited that's a little bit stronger yeah, commercialized. it's true and in a way i think a lot of the shine has come off of these things that i would have otherwise maybe thought were cool and been more uh excited and enthusiastic right. about because of the way that people are uh just trying to generate value at the expense of you know creating anything right. that is actually useful to the people who are using it right, right. <laughs> yeah anyways okay. interesting thank you yeah no problem uh, so our first comment this week that we teased from last week, yeah, comes from Think Rice GNS. <laughs> they say I'm experiencing a glitch. Brackets Android right now. It's March 31 in my time zone. I racked up 32 last laugh tickets, and I was performing the refund last laugh tickets glitch to try to get at least two pieces of the set. I managed to get the initiate blade in one go, but none of the other pieces. So I kept going, and now I'm only <laughs> getting companion cards. I've reset multiple times, ensured that my time was set to automatic, cleared and restored data, but I continue to get the companion cards. I'm not sure if this is a known glitch or anything. Not really an inconvenience, because I can just wait until next time League of Assassin comes around. Do you know if this is something that I've caused on myself, or if everybody is experiencing it right now? So, I guess the short answer is yes, just you. Not everybody. And whether you cause it for yourself or not is, I guess it depends. So the interesting thing is, the default, if you never connect to the internet, yeah. the default gear set on Survivor is the companion gears. Yeah. So in order to switch from companion gears to something else, there is some moment, which we don't know, during your time in Survivor, that the game on your device says hey this is what you're going to get in last laugh tickets yeah because otherwise you know if there's if that moment doesn't happen we know that you just get companion gears right so it's important that when you're doing the glitch that you turn off your internet late enough so that it keeps letting you get the advertised gear and not companion gear but earth so that you don't end up losing the last laugh tickets if it's not something that you want and you get to reset it yeah that you aren't locking in your reward right right so 
the definitely only on your device and really the key is your internet connection yeah because it sounds like you troubleshooted most of the other things that could be giving you trouble especially like the time setting right yeah and i don't even know the time setting is even that important for survivor oh that's true for the for the rewards at least it is for your time countdown timer and i've always said too that when your clock is not right and you're connected to the server you're going to set yourself up to screw up what's available in you know when your challenge comes on or um the phantom zone you know just any events that are supposed to be calendar or time related yeah um so that's the short answer short no sorry that's a longer answer mm-hmm. but um i i mean we apologize actually for getting to this so late by this time you probably already figured out what it was but Hopefully. just in case yeah just in case you haven't if this is a problem that you've uh set yourself out with it might even just be that you're in an area where the internet connection is so patchy yeah the time the moments where you're device the game on your device is trying to access the server for information yeah. it's just cutting out and then it just goes with the default of suicide squad campaign yeah but your best bet for fixing it would be checking your internet connection and uh, figuring out how to make it more consistent yeah, yeah 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 i like this next question this is my favorite question of the, the whole week Ooh, okay so this one comes from cameron 107 uh you know it's not even a question it's a friend of the show yeah uh they say first of all happy 10th anniversary of injustice hard to believe that this game has been around for so long Secondly, as a former, quote, hater of Apocalypse Darkseid, I have some thoughts on him. To your point about him not being from a, quote, universe, it's a real shame since his design is directly based on the new 52, so he could have had some synergies going for him, but I think he has some potential as a support. My main problem with gear-shattering setups that use Claw of Horus to chain with Master Death Card and Shatter 3 gears is that it only works on your second tag-in. The only workaround is having your gear shatterer in the first slot and either doing a special or some basic attacks, in which case you can shatter three gears immediately the next time you tag in. Doing basic attacks for the sake of it seems pointless most of the time, but for Darkseid, two of his combo ender effects increase his and his teammates' damage. Cursed gives 100% crit chance and bleed increases damage by 20%. Lifesteal is kind of unnecessary in this build, but it's only at 33% chance, so 66% of the time his combo ender will boost damage. The third gear is up to personal preference. Um, Astro Harness can help you land your combo ender, but you kind of waste the shield. Uh, uh, Lexcore Helmet can chain damage over time to Master's Death Cart, uh, make him tankier, and it gives 50% crit boost, which goes well with the crit chance you get from Cursed. There's very few teams that can take advantage of this, but I do use this setup occasionally. The main thinking behind it was that the two solve each other's problems. The gear shattering loadout has to do basics, and Darkseid wants to do basics. So there's a few reasons why I love this comment. I love, it's a great comment. Sure. I love how it gets some, It gets to the point, right? The point really is the impression, overall impression, the gestalt of what you get from Darkseid is yeah. that Darkseid wants to do basics. 100%. Yeah. He's got bad specials for one and two. Number two can only knock on the last hit. Yeah. Number one, if it... If the opponent blocks, they block even more because I think at least one of the hits, he doesn't complete a special one. Mm-hmm. So he does even less damage. And the amount of damage is, is peanuts. Yeah. So he's a bad special specialist. But he... Sorry, so here's the... Th- Let me just go back to this. Um, what Why I love this comment even better is that... That, that sentence, the only workaround is having your gear shatter in the first slot and either doing a special or some basic attacks, in which case you can shatter three gears immediately the next time you tag in. Yeah. I, even in first slot, I always tagged 
anybody out immediately if they had Master's Escort to try to tag him in yeah. again. So I never realized that doing something, anything first with the basic yeah. or specials would mean that you could, you wouldn't need a second tag in. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. So I've been playing for years. I, this is part of the reason why. The, and I, I also love that this is the recognition of trying to make something out yeah. of not something great. It is probably more concise, clearly explained, and informative than any similarly length like content yeah. on our channel, yeah. with yeah. very few exceptions, if any. So the problem is, though, that knowing this, I still hate Darkseid. Um, yeah. So <laughs> here's the problem. It, it's He's not any better than anybody else deadweight. When you've got a gear yeah. shatter loadout, you don't need him to do a lot of damage. Yeah. And trying to make him do more damage. The, 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 the tap combo is interesting because absolutely right. Astro Harness is wasted on him in first slot. Yeah. You lose the first invulnerability. And if you don't have Astro Harness to open it up and be really close to the opponent, you're not going to get combo ender half the time. Mm -hmm. And if only half the time you get a combo ender and one, what are we think, talking Like one six of the time. Yeah. You get, um, how often do you get the, I can't even remember now, um, that you get the cursed. It's about a third of the time, I think. Is right? it a third? Isn't something it a third, a, a third, and a third? Oh, uh, no, wait, no, 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 it's one's... not. It's like one is a, th a six, one is a third, and one is a half. Oh, yeah, I forgot about the weird. Yeah, um... Yeah, so it's it's still a shame. Well, because... we can we can guess because the life steal is a third chance, right? So it's going to be uh, either a half or a six. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's a six because the cursed is the best thing to have. Bleed is only twenty percent, and if you're reducing that by half each one of those, you're still not getting the benefit of dark side. So yeah. effectively, you're um, no. But I, I think that that really sums up the the, the issue with them. I think um, dark side's basic attacks are based on the same model as Zod. Yeah. So his poses and everything is just like Zod. I like the idea of leveraging Master's Death Cart because absolutely, when you tag him in, not only do you get to do the the gear shatter effect, you're also doing the damage over time effect multiple times yeah. with the Master's Death Cart. So I, I like those kind of synergies. I like those kind of ideas. Um, and it's it's so thoughtful like it's it, and it's not only is it thoughtful but it's based on a kernel of information like if i go to a conference yeah and i sit and listen on a panel yeah if i learned one thing from that panel i consider it a win mm -hmm. and out of this not only is it an interesting discussion point about dark side but you learn something i learned something that's really interesting and i can yeah. use it not playing dark side yeah because i still hate dark side it's a, it's a generalizable piece of yeah information very cool yeah um the, i guess the other difficulty is that you probably if the, you're in the first slot with master's death card unless you're willing to waste a slot on razzle scimitar or you've got batgirl or you got a character like arkham origins batman that's going to start with uh, a bar of or a couple bars of power yeah then um you're making it the gear loadout a little bit less effective so it re really requires you to do a basic combo yeah and i guess we sh i should do some testing to figure out how much basic whether it's like at one full combo or if it's blocked where i need to do a couple of hits yeah definitely so thank you that you, was great you put us on to something new yeah. yeah yeah do we want to do one sort of more quick one 
before we finish up here? I guess so. It's not even really an answer, but sure, we'll yeah. do that. So James Pulley asks, uh, using Earth 2 Hawk Girl makes my game crash. Any suggestions? Well, I'll tell you, Earth 2 Hawk Girl doesn't make our game crash. I, I actually tested it out, played around with her a bit. I think yeah. it's your game. And the key would be when it crashes. The only way... Yeah, to... what stage? Is it like yeah. interacting with her in any way? Yeah. Or is it like when the fight loads with her on the yeah. team or what? So I, I am feeling... I'm, I'm actually... I don't have a lot of free time, but I'm feeling kind of generous. So James Pulley, if you want to reach out to us and send us your account information, I would love to play around with it and test it out. I mean, yeah. obviously... Especially in seeing if it does the same thing on our device. Right. And so, yeah, if if you're willing to take the chance on us, I mean, the, the yeah. idea of sharing passwords and stuff, I think that's against the terms of service. Yeah. But you can send the information to bdckr at hotmail.com. Yeah. I'd be, I'd be really interested because now it's been so long since we've had a chance to play around with glitches and stuff. Yeah. That, that, that part of my brain that I, I like to scratch by trying to figure stuff out. Yeah. That I haven't been able to scratch that for a while. Yeah. So that's that's the sort of open thing, and the the our best guess is the character is corrupted, right? Yes. You know the oversell glitch has made, you know, getting copies of characters make your game crash yeah. at certain points, right? I imagine if there was some sort of file missing for actually like displaying the character, that that yeah. might make your game crash. Well, and I think that this is the one thing I want to point out about when we talk about the account bleeding, it's less likely to have this exact problem. But it's still a possibility that when you have an account bleed, that one account is going to mess up the other way at yeah. one for a particular character that's it's, yeah. there or not there. So this could have happened from that. Yeah. Uh, and then the other question would be, you know, is Earth 2 Hawk Girl showing up on an enemy team making your game crash? Is it only on your team? Right. 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 Uh, if you ever. And that's a little bit harder because I don't know if off the top of my head, I don't know yeah. or think necessarily that there's any single player right. or two Hawk girls that you have to face right. specifically. So you need to sort of luck into it in multiplayer. Right. Because you can't test it with a mirror match because your game would already be crashing from your own. Right. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's the theory and the, the way to fix it uh, or the way to avoid it would be not using multiple accounts, right? The way yeah. to fix it is not clear without being able to sort of get your hands on it. Right. Right. And test it for ourselves. So yeah. Uh, yeah, so I know it's risky for James Pulley, but I feel like I'm being generous with the, the little time that I've got that I, I would, would love to. It's an interesting enough problem that I want to try troubleshooting it. Yeah, yeah so yeah. so hit us up if you want. To finish up, I think I think that's a good place to end Yeah, up. yeah. So to finish up, I'd like to give a shout out to Eliza Sigma Grindset Caton. She's, what? She's Sigma working hard. Sigma Grindset. What's a... It's an ironic term. What, Sigma? Uh, it's So you know the, the alpha-beta dichotomy, yeah. that kind of like bro-y fake thing that people say about yeah. wolves that yeah. is not even true of wolves. Yeah. Uh, people invented a term that is meant to be kind of like a lateral move from alpha called the Sigma. And the point of Sigmas uh, is that they have a greater sense of independence. So alphas and betas are inherently tied into sort of a power structure, whereas Sigmas are lone wolf kind of characters. Um, it, and it was, it, it's already very funny. Lone because... wolf or anarchists. Like when it's, you say out of the, the hierarchy, it's it's unclear. Different people use it different ways. Okay, uh, but there there's a, a meme uh, that is developed in a a humorous way of referring to yourself as a sigma because it's very funny. I think in part it was meant for people who wanted to feel sort of good about themselves still, who could not in good conscience call themselves an alpha because maybe there wasn't anybody around them that they were the natural leader of. Oh, right. Funny. Okay. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, the there's sort of this 
uh, meme cachet built around the term Sigma, and then the term Sigma grinds that combines that in this sort of like finance thing, like the chase your money sort of oh, uh, okay. paper, like make that paper thing, where the Sigma yeah. grind set is supposed to be, you know, you're working hard all the time. You're, you've got your nose to the ground, so you're trying to make a ton of money. It's very kind of like business right. dude uh, terminology. Okay. So so that's that's the context of that. And I've I've killed the meme now by explaining it to you. It's no longer funny, but shout out to Eliza Sigma Grinds at Caton. She's working hard. Very good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and we'd also like to give a huge thank you to all of our lovely supporters on Patreon. And that would be Corey Ashcraft at the top tier last word, Alexis M at the Your Message Here tier, and Michael DeVries, Irvin Ruiz, Hoshi127, and Drew Chapman supporting us on the credited level. And all the other generous people that you'll see on your screen who have given us some support during this pandemic. Yeah. So thank you so much for your support, lovely folks. And thanks so much to all of you for watching. We'll see you next time. Komoda. Komoda.